time to wake up. It's Saturday morning. Find some milk and cereal. Grab a bowl and spoon. No, a bigger spoon. Head to the living room and take a seat on the floor. But Joseph and Chris present to you... Saturday Morning Cartoon! Hello everybody and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom! I don't know why I did that. I was like, where did that come from? But I do like it. What is (laughs) happening? This is a show where we wake up with a Saturday morning sun, plop down in the living room floor with a big bowl of sugary cereal, and watch all your favorite cartoons, both old and new. I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And this morning, we watched Arthur. I had to carry the R because it's a really short title. And this was suggested by Fredomon on YouTube. Thank you, sir. You're swell. You're a good neighbor. Yeah, we got to say really nice things if we're doing an Arthur episode. So That's a super idea, Chris. I love it. You're such a pal. I know. So the show Arthur aired from 96 to... Oh, wait. It's still going. Arthur has been going for 20 years as of Holy this crap. year. Holy crap. Yeah. And the original book was from 76, so that means Arthur has been around for 40 years. Oh, my God. So Arthur is old enough to be your parents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, Arthur might be your father. There's <laughs> a good chance that you're half aardvark. It's a very good choice, especially if you have a big nose. Right. So this was created by Mark Brown, produced by many different things because it's been around for a long time. First, Sinar from season one to season eight, Cookie Jar Entertainment from season nine to season 15, Nine Story Media Group from season 16 to 19, and then Oasis Animation has taken over from season 20 to present. And as of this date that we're recording this in 2016, it's only up to season 19, but it's already slated for 21 seasons. So it's got at least two more, probably more after that. 217 episodes so far, slated for 239 on the PBS network this entire time. And for a short synopsis, based on the books by Mark Brown, these are the adventures of Arthur, an eight-year-old aardvark, and his family and friends as they grow up and learn how to be good neighbors to one another. That sounds very nice. You grow up to be good neighbors. You know what? I think this is probably the nicest cartoon that we've watched. I was trying to think back, and no, there's no no contest. It is absolutely the nicest tame. cartoon that we've watched. So who are some of the actors in this super nice cartoon? Disclaimer. There's a ton of voice actors in the show. So I purposely left most of them out <laughs> because like Arthur himself had seven voice actors over the last 20 years. That, that's way too many for me to go through. So I'm just going to say that his first one was Michael Yarmush and the current one is William Healy for DW um, Arthur's sister. It's the same thing. She's had six voice actors um, DW has actually always been voiced by a man, which was kind of surprising. So I guess men are good at doing little girl voices. So her first, <laughs> I can't do... so her first voice actor was Michael Kalaz and the current one is Andrew Dayton. Buster, uh, was actually only voiced by one person and that is Daniel Brochu. Uh, sorry if I'm butchering this. Francine was voiced by Jody Restler. And Muffy was voiced by Melissa Altro. So those only had one voice actor this yeah, entire time? Yeah, those last time? three had the same person doing it throughout. Wow. Yeah, so it's just pretty much the main, main characters' voices changed constantly. So that had to be confusing. But you can blame it on puberty. 
if they age at all in the show. <laughs> yeah, which, I, I think I did I read know. something about Muffy's voice specifically where she sounds noticeably different now than she did in the earlier seasons, obviously, because she has aged since then 19 oh. years. So for a few tasty marshmallows out of our big bowl of super nice Arthur cereal, the very first book of the series, Arthur's Nose, was released in 1976, which also featured Arthur with a much larger, much more aardvark-like nose. His character design was changed substantially since then, invalidating the whole nose reference, hence why I think they started the cartoon with the second book, Arthur's Eyes, because that was the first episode, Arthur's Eyes, but the first book was actually Arthur's Nose. Oh, weird. Yeah, Arthur's Eyes was sense. Arthur's Eyes was the second book, so. Ah, I see. Mm-hmm. I see. I see, see what they did there. Arthur has a pair of bunny slippers, and his best friend Buster, who is a bunny, has a pair of aardvark slippers. That's kind of weird, if kinda you think weird. about it. Long before the television series, Arthur appeared in a 1983 episode of the PBS show Reading Rainbow in an animated reading of the book Arthur's Eyes, narrated by Bill Cosby. A 1988 Reading Rainbow episode featured an animated reading of the somewhat Arthur-related The Bionic Bunny Show book narrated by Gene Clavin. I don't know what that is. Uh, I think we see it in one of the episodes. It's like a, it's a cartoon that they watch, Bionic Bunny. Yeah. Okay. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. I know it's in one of the episodes because it's in, we see it in Arthur's eyes where he's talking about Bionic Bunny wearing glasses behind the scenes. Yeah. We see it in another one too. Cause I remember the, the dog kid was watching it also. <laughs> the dog kid. Yeah. I, I forgot his name. Bitsy? Uh, a Binky. Binky, yeah. same thing. <laughs> the dog Binky, kid. Binky, bitsy, dog <laughs> kid. Uh, lastly, Arthur appeared as a guest in hand puppet form in 1999 episode of the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood Show, in which Fred Rogers makes a visit to Mark Brown's house, and later, Arthur makes a visit to the neighborhood of make-believe. Fred Rogers himself appeared as an aardvark in two episodes of Arthur. One of these episodes, Arthur, Elwood City Turns 100, in 2002, was aired after Rogers' death. There's also a banned episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Jabez. No one would have ever guessed that that even existed. So if we ever watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood for some reason for this show, we're, we're, we're going to try to find the, the banned, banned episode if we can find it. Oh, yeah, of course. So, Chris, what are some memories you have of this show, of Arthur? As we were talking about the the stuff at the beginning of the episode, I was thinking to myself, how is it that this cartoon has been around for like 20 years and I never really watched it? Until you said that it usually aired on PBS. And then I was like, that's why I never watched it. (laughs) Especially it being on PBS, I kind of lumped it in with this group of cartoons and other shows that I thought sounded too boring or educational and more for like little kids. Because when this came out, you know, I was 11. And so I was like, I don't want this like educational little kid crap. I want to watch something stupid because, you know, that age. So I never saw it. That was a long way of saying you never saw Arthur. Yeah. (laughs) I I felt like I needed to justify it because so many people like this show. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, Arthur's been around in some form for my entire life. Arthur's been alive longer than I have. And even though the cartoon series is aimed primarily at third graders, and I would have been slightly older than that too, 11, like you said, And so that would have been older than the target demographic. I do recall watching a couple episodes of it and reading a few of the books when I was even younger than that. So my Arthur memories are pretty vague, but being surrounded by it growing up, I was still able to name a few of the characters. Like if someone had told me like, hey, what is the Arthur theme song at the drop of a hat? I could have told them 
and some of the characters. So I got a warm, fuzzy, kind of nostalgic feeling just watching these three episodes. It kind of took me back to childhood just because of how long Arthur's been around. I honestly didn't know it was still airing. Since you mentioned the theme song, just a fun little marshmallow. The theme song is performed by Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers. So uh, Bob Marley's son. And it's a cool theme song, too. So let's go ahead and jump into the three episodes we watched for today's show. Very first episode, highest rated episode, and finally a random listener chosen episode. This order may vary depending on how these episodes fall chronologically. But of course, we have to start with the very first episode. As a little preface to it, these episodes are usually split into multiple parts, uh, at least two parts. The first episode was Arthur's Eyes and Francine's Bad Hair Day, season one, episode one. In Arthur's Eyes, after Arthur has an eye exam, he learns that he needs to wear glasses is basically the premise of it. Although it starts out in an interesting way because it's got DW thinking that they have a long lost sibling because she's looking (laughs) at older pictures of uh, she and Arthur. But Arthur doesn't have glasses on at that point. So she's like... That's not you. You don't you wear glasses. And then he goes into this whole flashback story of how he came to get his glasses. Yeah. DW is just basically dumb and (laughs) and thought Arthur was born with glasses. But yeah, (laughs) that's not you don't come out that way. She's a typical little sister. I mean, kind of annoying little sibling. And that's something I appreciated about the show was it really was relatable on so many levels especially to a young kid, because we all had that sibling growing up, unless we're a single child. I was going to say, I did not have that sibling growing up. I had uh, a brother and two sisters, so I had many siblings that were younger than me. Oh, man, that sucks. So first of all, I I like that all the characters are anthropomorphic. I just, for whatever reason, I I enjoy cartoons that embrace that. Yeah, it's a world where it's all-inclusive. It's kind of the Animal Kingdom it's almost like a planet of the apes except this planet right. of every animal ever i did notice though that the majority of the characters seem to be and not so much the main characters some of the main characters but the majority of characters in general seem to be dogs or monkeys yeah which did you notice that i guess yeah i, I think so because I know Francine's a monkey, Muffy's a monkey, I think, also, yeah. Binky was a dog, like, he's a big bulldog, I think. One of the, um, was it the janitor? The janitor was a dog. But the the teacher was, like, a weasel. Lots of teachers are. Oh. The dunes. But, but, uh. Yeah, soundboard. So, so in this episode, you kind of see that he's really blind when he's having a lot of trouble performing just basic actions, and he's seeing double of everything, And so he goes to get that eye exam, realizes he needs glasses, but he hates wearing them at first because people immediately start calling him four eyes. And of course, as a kid, this is an experience you face if you do wear glasses, which I pretty much was born with glasses. So (laughs) so I know how Arthur feels. And in that that way, yeah, in that way, I can definitely relate to that episode, especially as a as a child. Like you don't know what you're supposed to do in that situation. You don't want to be made fun of. Of course, you don't want to be the the butt of any jokes, but you have to wear these glasses. You have to see Arthur tries to put it off as much as he can and just uh, avoid wearing it. And eventually I appreciated the fact that he comes to accept the four eyes moniker. And once he stops paying attention to it, once he stops responding to it, life just moves on. Like they just, they stop making fun of it. You know, the other kids are like, Oh, uh, he's not getting mad. Yeah. He's a waste of time. Right. (laughs) If there's no reaction to it, then that's right. really uh, the ammo that keeps bullies going. So I like how when he's getting his, he's doing the eye exam and he's trying to read the chart and he's reading it wrong. 
Like, I like how all the kids are like, oh, he's in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why would you be in trouble for not being able to, like, see something? That doesn't make any sense. You kids are dumb. Yeah, kids are just like that, though. Like, Yeah, I was like, man, were kids that dumb when I was that age? And I'm like, yeah. It's not even so much as dumb as it was just mean. Some right. kids are just mean-spirited. But Oh, yeah. And that's something that surprised me in this episode, too, because Francine was kind of a bitch in this episode. Jeez. But in every other episode we we watched, she's like his best, like one of his best buddies. But she was like one of the first people to make fun of him, and she was being like super mean about it. Yeah, well, this was the very first episode, so maybe that relationship kind of evolved over time. Yeah, they're like, he needs more than one friend. Yeah. So we're going to make this one who was picking on him hardcore. I mean, Arthur's going to face 20 plus years of problems on a daily basis. So he needs friends. (laughs) Welcome to life, Arthur. Yeah. So Arthur is very much that stereotypical main character who's that like pathetic, awkward type kid. Kind of like Charlie Brown or Doug. Things tend to happen to him and... He seems like he gets embarrassed really easily. It's That's definitely someone that I can empathize with because I was kind of like that as a kid. I was like uh, just really awkward and tended to have terrible luck. So anything embarrassing that could happen was bound to happen to me on a daily basis. Yeah, I, Arthur's kind of the every kid because he does face almost every problem a kid can have. So he's very unfortunate, but he's able to learn from any kind of mistakes he makes and get past them all. And that's where it's really inspirational at the same time. I think that just goes overall for the Arthur series. So the second part of this episode was Francine's bad hair day. Where oh, Fran- oh, oh, hang on, hang on. What? Before that, we had a really crappy real kid montage where they had like all these little kids in a classroom talking about Arthur and his glasses and all of them are like, it's, it's really mean to make fun of people with glasses and oh, it yeah, should yeah. be really nice. And then they show all the kids at the end, you know, waving to the camera. And I'm like, none of you are wearing glasses. I don't even want to hear it from you. <laughs> you don't understand what it's like. You don't know our pain. Arthur put me in like a mood where I'm I'm accepting of everything. You You clearly went in with the very... <laughs> critical mind and i'm just like oh this is so sweet like these kids are so nice they're learning i didn't notice they didn't have glasses on i'm yeah none of them i'm gonna be that that guy when i'm old like when i went to school i walked both ways barefoot up hills full of glass and i had glasses and none of you do (laughs) yeah i didn't mind that part i thought it was a nice addition and i just think it's fun watching kids kind of uh talk about things so That moves us on to Francine's Bad Hair Day, the second part of this episode, where Francine doesn't care that it's school picture day, but Muffy thinks that she can change Francine's mind and her looks. You know, I I liked this one more than the first part, and I think just this one because when I was a kid, my best friend was a girl, and she was very much a tomboy. You know, she was playing sports, she was playing video games, she was hanging out with the guys all the time. And she definitely had that inner struggle where at times, you know, she felt pressured to be more girly, you know, because she would become friends with people at school and these girls would be wearing like flowery dresses and putting on makeup where this girl is going to school with ripped up jeans and has scrapes and bruises everywhere. Me and her being really close, I, I always 
remember that struggle with her that that she felt and I and I think about how awkward that had to to be to go through it her natural side which was her more tomboyish kind of side always won out in the end she would go through like a phase where maybe a couple weeks or something she would start being a little more girly on purpose then realize that she hates it (laughs) and just start being herself which is pretty much exactly what Francine went through in this episode so me not being a girl, I was still able to relate to it by seeing my friend go through exactly what this character went through. So that was really cool. Yeah, and, and I'm sure your friend could have learned from this or at least taken comfort in knowing that she's not the only one. This is a problem that happens and it's an issue that happens and people always feel the need to try to fit in. In the end, yeah, Francine does pull out and she's just like, you know what, this isn't me. This isn't what I'm comfortable with. And she turns back into regular Francine. This is also Arthur's chance to get small revenge where he makes fun of her for dressing up and being different. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. You know what? I noticed Muffy had a cell phone. Did you catch that? No, I I wasn't. I'm like, this is 1996. And this girl is like seven or eight years old. Why does she have a cell phone? (laughs) Like, did we even have cell phones in 1996? Definitely not as small as she had. That thing looked like a flip phone. Muffy is definitely the rich kid of the school. So she pretty much has whatever the, the current thing was. I just thought that was so crazy. And then that made me think, Oh, man, that would be genius if they're like, you know what I bet they would invent in 10 years? I bet they'll invent a small telephone that you can just flip open and take with you wherever you want. Right. And I bet your kids will be using it one of these days. So they do it. So at the time, we're like, what is that? We don't understand. And now we're like, wow, that aged really well. So Arthur <laughs> did it first is what you're saying. Yeah, Arthur basically invented the cell phone. <laughs> I'm sure this isn't based on fact, and we don't necessarily agree to this as a network, but it could be true. So yeah, like I said, Francine changes in the end back to her normal self, and she's just more comfortable with it. She obviously doesn't mind taking a, a picture where she's muddy or anything. That's just her personality. In the end, it just shows you to be proud of who you are and be you. And play kickball. And play kickball. Yeah, they played a lot of kickball. Kickball was a big thing back in grade school. It was. I sucked at it. <laughs> yeah, That's I, how I know it was a big thing. I did too. I was <laughs> ostracized because of it. That's how I know it was a big thing. I was just an ostrich. In, in the world of <laughs> Arthur, you are an anthropomorphic Arthur. I would be. Ostrich. I would be an ostrich. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump over to the next episode that we watched, which was April 9th, season seven, episode ten. This was Freedomon's suggestion. This one is just one long episode. It's not multiple parts. It is April 9th, and things seem to be normal at Lakewood Elementary until a fire breaks out, and the fire affects everyone in various ways. This one covered so much because, yeah, it, it is just a fire at the school, and but there's so much that happens because of that. So many children are affected by it in different ways, and it was great to watch all of those stories unfold and... There's resolution to all of them, too, which is the beautiful part about Arthur in general, but also about this episode. It gave me some like really weird nostalgia in that. And I'm sure everyone on some level can relate to when something you're at school and something bad happens or just something weird takes place that destroys the normal of the day. Like um, where I went to I went to a horrible school district, but we had bomb threats all the time. So we're constantly being like evacuated from school 
And, and, you know, it would just kind of do this weird thing to the rest of your day, sometimes to the rest of the week, where just things felt different and it was kind of exciting. And, and those are the moments that you remember the most of. Like, I, I couldn't look back and be like, man, I remember like these 10 really awesome days at school. If I could go back and be like, I remember when this happened, when this happened, when this happened. Yeah. Like, uh, like 9 11, I remember exactly where I was in school when that happened and how the rest of the day went. I could probably tell you detail for detail, like each hour of the day. Yeah. It's weird that, you know, it, it, it could be a very serious thing, but it also gives me like kind of a nostalgia because it was exciting because you're a kid and you don't really maybe fully grasp everything and it's different and it's a new experience. So I definitely got that feeling watching this episode. It was just kind of jogging all of those memories um, from myself. Yeah, it's definitely the fact that it's changing up the day to day. It's a new thing because kids, they come to school, they do their thing, they go home, they do homework, they play with their friends. Like they have a routine and this things like this completely change that routine, especially something like a, the fire burning a lot of the school for Arthur, his dad was in there at the time, so he gets this complex where he is always afraid for his dad leaving his site because he's worried that that's going to happen again and that he's not going to come out safe the next time. For Binky, he sees the fire, and like he's just sitting there kind of entranced by it, and he it just haunts him. Yeah, it's like a weird form of terror that affects Binky. It's interesting because... Binky and Arthur both experiencing two different sides of post-traumatic stress disorder, whereas Arthur is taking it and now he's applying it to his dad. He's like, oh, my dad's life's in danger. And now he's thinking about it all the time. He's thinking about all the danger like from every day. Oh, my dad's going here. What if something happens to him here? And he's getting really worried about it. Binky is on the kind of like the other side of that where it's still like it's fascinating to him but terrifying at the same time to where he starts acting out like he goes and he pulls the fire alarm at one point. You know, it's it's kind of that same thing when like, you know, someone's abused as a child, they grow up. So they're usually going to be two sides. Either they're going to be an advocate for like helping others keep them out of what happened to them, or they may turn the opposite route and they might start inflicting the same kind of pain on other people that they experienced but it all comes from the same origin point. So it's interesting just to kind of see that these two experienced the same thing, but they went polar opposites as far as their reactions. Yeah, and also we should include Sue Ellen's experience in there. Sue Ellen is a classmate who, she's actually a cat, so she's not a monkey. I was thinking she was a monkey at first, and I was like, no, 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 wait, she was a cat. So she's actually different, but she's the only cat I remember seeing. But her experience is that she has a diary that's very personal to her and it burns in the fire. So to a right. to a kid, I mean, that is, of course, I mean, to anyone, really, that's very important. That, that's memories just gone, burnt up in the flame. And to make it even worse is it looked like she may have had some kind of pen pal that sent her a postcard from wherever they're from. Mm -hmm. And she had it in the journal and she and that got burned up with it. So. Yeah, definitely. You know, something that she like you could replace a journal, you could rewrite your things, but something like that, you can't replace that. So no. we also have Buster who didn't see the fire, but he's kind of bragging about it to the new school that they're relocated to. And he gets called out on it 
and then his mom makes him take some flowers up to the janitor that was injured in the fire, and he befriends Buster because they relate on many things, especially the fact that they both love chocolate. They become really good friends in the in the interim. Well, and it's interesting with their dynamic too, because Buster, he wasn't there, but kind of like I was saying how when something weird like that happens to you when you're in school, it's kind of exciting in a way. Some of the students that were there that experienced didn't see it as exciting. They were scared. Um, like Arthur was scared for his dad. Like mm-hmm. uh, Binky was just terrified. So he didn't get to see it. And um, Buster was just really excited about it. So when Buster meets Mr. Morris and who got injured because of the fire, I think he broke his leg. He starts talking with him and then there's a moment and I don't remember what the conversation is, but the animators did a great job of drawing an expression on Buster's face where you see it finally click and sink in that. Oh, like maybe I shouldn't have been so excited about this because now I'm seeing that somebody was actually hurt. You get the feeling that he's starting to get a little bit of a guilty conscience about, you know, some of the stuff he was he was saying because he's seeing that, yeah, somebody was hurt from here. It could have gotten a lot worse. Like this was a lot more serious than I was making it out to be. And it kind of I think it kind of changed him a little bit in that way. And I got to give kudos to the animators for making it feel believable. I mean, the show's about constant growth in character and. This was a big one for Buster. Really, everyone. I think this episode as a whole was just a, a... That's why it's an entire episode versus being just part of a two-parter or something. This one is a full episode where everyone has these crazy experiences all based on one fire, but it affects everyone differently. I think that's just a great message to send. Traumatic events will affect people in different ways, even if it's the same event and they're in the same place. This is a good episode for like teachers to yeah. watch. Oh yeah. People that work with kids on a daily basis because it'll help them to see all these kids exposed to the same thing, they all reacted to it different ways. So it might kind of help remind them that just because the same thing happened to a kid doesn't mean that they need the same kind of reassurance or the same kind of discipline. Each need to be handled in their own way. Right. So. I mean, you have to treat Every each situation as an individual one because yeah right. they're not going to be affected the same way. Oh, I just noticed that the teacher's name was Mr. Ratburn, so that makes me assume he's not a weasel and that he is in fact a rat. So he might be a rat. Just yeah. to clear the air there, I have a uh, three questions about this. <laughs> okay, this episode. First of all, does Binky's head remind you of a Goomba from Super Mario Brothers? Yes, it took me a long time <laughs> to figure out what. Binky was I mean I was like I guess he's a dog but he doesn't really have like a a dog dog features so much he has like the ears and kind of a yeah Goomba ish head and then Mr. Morris the the dog and this is important the dog man um the janitor that was hurt that Buster was becoming friends with he's in the hospital and he's eating chocolates. And my is he trying to commit suicide? Oh. He's a dog. He's just casually killing himself in front of this little kid. I wonder <laughs> if they, chocolate. I wonder if that's something they just overlooked or if they thought about it and were like, eh. because being a kid watching this, you might think like, oh, it's it's okay because oh, Mr. Morris is a dog. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just have like not rose colored lenses when I'm watching it because I didn't watch it as a kid. I just have my heart so open that I don't notice these <laughs> things. I'm not I'm picking so it apart. Cynical. 
I get, yeah. I'm just like, oh, there's so much love. It's there's there's love. <laughs> Speaking of cynical. Oh no. Um. So it was weird to me that Muffy seems to be kind of a jerk to everybody, but this girl who loses her journal because it gets burned up. Muffy's like trying to do these nice things for her, like give her a new journal and stuff. But she's still doing it in like a really like dickish kind of way. Like she's still being kind of mean as she's doing nice things for her. Like she's kind of a douche. Well, <laughs> it's like Bono from U2. Like he does nice things, but he still comes off as a douchebag. I think it's more that she is the perpetual bratty rich girl, but she has a good heart still. Or her heart's in the right place. She might not perform things the way that she should always, but she, you know, she means well is what I think it is. I Right. I mean, you can take it as far as you want to with that, but to <laughs> me, that's all it is. So, yeah, these situations are resolved where we don't have to go into all of them as far as resolution goes, but the situations are resolved in a satisfactory way. And, of course, everyone ends the episode happy and with an understanding of what to do moving forward if something similar were to occur. And so I think this was a great pick. I mean, I really enjoyed this episode. I also understand why it was so highly rated, too. All right, and for the last episode that we watched, it was Muffy's Classy Classic Club slash Best Enemies. Season 15, episode 7, according to Wikipedia. This was the, the highest rated episode according to TV.com. Muffy's Classy Classics Club. Muffy starts a book club with Arthur, Francine, and the Brain, but refuses to read any of the other books the others suggest after her own suggestion proves unpopular. So this is, again, the perpetual bratty rich kid where... She wants to do this book club because she sees a book club happening and she's excited about it. But the book club has to go her way. So it's her way or the highway. Her poor butler. I feel so bad for Bailey <laughs> for having to put up with this little girl all the time. Because she's just, she's so rude. Yeah. And he's like such a nice dude and like always trying to like, obviously trying to get her to think differently and be nicer and stuff like that in really subtle ways that he's not talking down to her. But he, like, makes suggestions and things like that, and she's just crapping all over him <laughs> half the time. And did you notice everything in their freaking library is, like, fake? Well, like, yeah. the books were fake, the fire was fake, like, what the hell? Yeah, it's just the library is just there for show for the most part, unless it has something to do with business or car sales yeah. or something. There's even that point where, like, she gets mad at a book and she throws it at the fire and it bounces out because it's not a real fire. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, it looks like it's cardboard <laughs> or something. Yeah, I think it is a cardboard fire. It, it, that was really weird, but, the I mean, they're surprised that they even have a library, both of them. Right, they didn't even know. Well, um, <laughs> the butler knows, but... Uh, Muffy lives there and she didn't know. I, I don't like Muffy. I don't okay. like her character. I could tell um, by last episode. Uh, she's just, she's she's that same kind of person that would say, you know, I don't like comics or I don't like video games or I don't like these kinds of movies or something. But in truth, they never actually tried it. Mm -hmm. It's just they get it in their head that that's something stupid or below them. And they just don't even give it the, show, or the time of day. So by the end of this, this segment, I I don't want to say I liked her more, but I respected her for for actually kind of changing how she approached things like that because like the whole time the other kids are wanting to do these books that they choose and she's saying no, you got to read these books 
which are really crappy ones, um, according to everybody. Yeah. And uh, they're just being made to sell these toys, kind of like Transformers movies. <laughs> In the end, she realizes, yeah, these kind of are crap. And then she's like, finds one of the books that one of the other kids were talking about and she starts reading it and she actually like gets into it even though she was like crapping all over it earlier. So so I'll give her I'll give her some kudos there. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was pretty sweet how she did kind of have a change of heart once she changed her perspective on things. And that in turn kind of and what I think is like she's not supposed to be a likable character because there has to be someone who is the opposition and she is just always the opposition to whatever's going on. And in this case, she's the person who, I mean, if it was just like a friendly book club the whole time, like the episodes wouldn't be, I'm not going to say they wouldn't be interesting, but they just wouldn't have any point. Like it would just be a everyday life thing. And, but without the, without the opposition to it, without the antagonist, then there wouldn't be a story and there wouldn't be a lesson learned. And so she's the constant person who's having to learn these lessons or teach other people these lessons by being the opposition. She's she's a character that kind of does bad things and doesn't realize that they're bad. Yeah, she's not doing them to be mean. She's not mean-spirited. She just... Just naturally kind of goes that path and doesn't realize that that's what she's doing. Yeah, she always thinks of herself first. She's a very selfish person. She, she's a spoiled rich kid, so yep. she doesn't realize that she is. In the next part, Best Enemies... Miss Reed, okay, so Arthur's last name is Reed, just to, so this makes sense when I say this. Miss Reed, who is Arthur's mom, her new client has a daughter DW's age. However, DW and WD, which is the other daughter, are complete opposites and don't get along. After learning that the family has been invited to spend the week at WD's house, the two girls come up with a plan to cut the visit short. It took me a while to figure out that the other one was a girl. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because uh, she, she is all about race cars and dressed like a boy. Yeah, she was a very, she was like Francine times 10. Oh, like she absolutely. was very boyish. Yeah. Um, I, I could, I can kind of empathize with, with this situation because, and I bet, I'm sure everyone had that kid that they hated to be around, that their parents always made them be around. For me... I had a cousin that I could not stand. He was a bully. I was a little pipsqueak, but just constantly fighting. I didn't like spending any time with him. Not much has really changed. But when we were (laughs) kids, you know, your parents kind of want you to get along. So they're like, well, we just sticking them together long enough. They'll be friends. Didn't work out for me so much. We are still not really friends, but we we have a mutual respect for each other. Um, but so I can kind of I can empathize with this situation where there's these two kids. They realize, hey, we don't really get along, and but they're stuck with each other because their parents are like, no, we're gonna be friends, so you have to be. But unlike my situation, they kind of turn it around by acting out worse on purpose and faking fights and stuff like that so that they don't have to spend more time together to basically convince their parents to pull them apart. But then by doing that, they became friends and then it became inception and we don't know if the top stopped spinning. Everything's just like crazy and I don't know what's what. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was a pretty crazy episode in general, but I like the way in agreeing to be pretending to be enemies they ended up 
finding a mutual liking of faking this stuff together right. and playing. They found a mutual interest in pissing off their parents. <laughs> and upsetting their parents, yes. <laughs> so I, I just thought that was a really fun way for them to approach that. And uh, yeah, so now DW, I don't know if WD comes back in any future episodes. Uh, this aired like four years ago, so who knows? But I thought it was really neat how the the parents try to split them apart at the end because they're like, well, obviously this isn't working out. And then DW makes up this whole thing where she's like, oh, no, I left my favorite something right. or other. So now I, we have to go back, I guess. And it's late, so we might as well eat dinner there and we should probably yep. just stay the night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that that was just a really cool resolution to that one. That that was pretty good. That's That was clever. Well, Chris, I think it's about time we get our inner kids back on the right track by sitting them down and seeing what they thought of the cartoon Arthur. All right, come on out, you little ostrich. I didn't think I would like this cartoon at all, but it's not so bad. It really kind of feels like it's for little kids, and it does get a little touchy-feely, but I feel like I can relate to it, and I feel like it's helping me understand more adult concepts, like when the fire episode happened. Now, fire doesn't really seem that scary which means it'll be a lot easier for me to burn down my cousin's house so I don't have to hang out with him anymore. Thanks, Arthur. I give this 4.5 bowls of monkey and dog-shaped cereal out of 5. Joseph, you want to see a fire? Uh, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this later. But for me personally, watching Arthur has been an incredibly enlightening experience. This cartoon tackles a great number of issues that many children face in very down-to-earth, believable ways, while at the same time providing satisfactory resolutions that we can put into practice. While many of these episodes are up to 20 years old for our adult counterparts, and the original books now turning 40, the embedded messages remain relevant, making Arthur both a timeless and an ongoing classic, which is kind of weird to say, but it's true on both accounts. This cartoon managed to burrow its way into my heart, you know, because aardvarks are burrowing mammals. Never mind. And I'll give this 4.5 big bowls of Arthur cereal with book-shaped marshmallows out of 5, I highly recommend this cartoon, and little Chris, let's make slippers with each other's faces on them. Uh, my, my uncle did that, but they took him to jail. And I still wear my Chris slippers to this day. <laughs> so any, any final thoughts on this show? I agree with uh, little kid Chris in that the cartoon does speak well to kids, even though he kind of, I think, took the wrong meaning. But it does kind of convey newer or adult ideas in a way that kids can understand, and I think that's really important. I think the show does it really well. So it's it's educational, but it's not like it doesn't feel like they're purposely trying to teach you something. You just kind of happen to learn something or maybe you start thinking differently about something because of the way that they present the story with these characters. So really clever, really smart piece of educational television. Though as an adult, it, it can be kind of boring but, you know, we're not the target audience, though. So, it, you know, it's it's meant for kids. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that it's definitely not intended for adults. But but on the opposite end of that, I also think that it's something that adults can enjoy watching with their kids. Or in my case, I think that I could have fun watching it with my nieces. It's something where I can find something to enjoy about it or just seeing them learning that lesson that all of these episodes teach I think that in and of itself is an enjoyable thing to do. So overall, I think this show aged very well since we watched the very first episode and it still has relevance to it. 
And it's obviously a powerhouse because it's still going. So Arthur is timeless and it's invincible. You really can't stop this aardvark. <laughs> if you're a new parent or anything, you have a young kid of any sort, show them Arthur. Like it's better than a ton of the shows that are on now. I'll tell you that. Right. Kids would learn a lot more from this than probably Ren and Stimpy for sure. Uh, yeah, probably more. <laughs> yeah. More of the right things or the, the right way to treat people. Yes. Well, listeners, it looks like our milk supply has now run dry, so it's time for us to say goodbye. And next week, we'll be watching Battle of the Planets. And once again, I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And we'll see you next Saturday. Don't start fires, kids, unless you don't like your cousin. Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.